How you doing, folks? And welcome to the Green Machine Podcast. Nick and Martin here, and we're joined by a very special guest today, Alan Kelly. Not the goalkeeper, the referee. <laughs> Alan, we're delighted to be joined by you today, stateside. How are you doing? Yeah, Nick and Martin, thanks for um, thanks for having me. Um, doing okay, um, and uh, and looking forward to a to a nice, easy, leisurely, relaxed chat. Absolutely. And the rule is as well, Alan, if Martin and I start fighting, you have to get out of yellow card. I think it's only fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, occupational hazard, I'm afraid. So um, uh, they're always on hand. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of people will be very familiar with Alan. So Alan did start his refereeing career in the League of Ireland and then subsequently did move stateside to referee in the MLS. So Alan also refereed international matches. I think, um, you know, I, I, I was looking up a couple of images, Alan. There's one of you giving Michael Ballack a bit of a talking down to So <laughs> fairly fearless, which is good. Fairly fearless. But do you want to start off, I suppose, by talking through your very early involvements in football? Because you did play a bit of ball before you got into refereeing. Uh, I did. Look, like, like, like every kid in the area, I grew up in, in, in Cork. Um, Playing sport was what we did. You know, we were we were thrown out the front door early in the mornings by um, by the parents um, to whatever green area of space or whatever road was available. And uh, and yeah, we played everything. I played everything from from you know soccer to hurling to Gaelic football to tennis on the roads to anything at all kind of thing. And um, yeah, yeah, from there it was, it was a case of just, uh, I, I played, I played, uh, uh, you know, my, my earliest memory of, of playing kind of competitive games as a kid was, um, was in and around the, the 1982 world cup period. Uh, I played for a, a team called Western Rovers and um, yeah, from there I played in the Cork school boys league for, for a number of years with Avondale um, and into the um, into the youth leagues with Avondale and and uh, and Ringmahan local clubs to where I lived in um, in Blackrock. Uh, Queen Keller's old club, isn't it? Who's that? Uh, Queen Keller's old. Oh, yeah, club. yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Queen. Uh, his family are from not far from where we grew up, but um, yeah, we both played with Ringmahan. Um, um, I only played for a year or two with, with Ringmahan, and then played with um, with Tremor and Cork City in the Munster Senior League. So. Um, at that point, I realized I wasn't a very good player. Uh, so um, <laughs> I needed another avenue to stay in the game type of thing. Yeah. And was it your dad that got you into the refereeing? Didn't he referee um, back in the day? Yeah. Um, he didn't necessarily get me into it. It was, um, um, look, he, he was a League of Ireland referee. He was a FIFA referee. So I saw um, I saw the, 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 the refereeing side of it from, from what he did and what he achieved and, and, and so on. And, uh, and uh you know, he, um, he, he never really pushed it or anything like that. It was, um, uh, I, I was playing and I, I got injured um, for a period of time. And while I was out injured, uh, I, I knew there was a referee course came up. So I kind of thought, why not kind of thing. Um, so went and did a, a referees course for, for a week, um, refereed some, some schoolboy games, still, still remember the first game I refereed, but um, um and from there, once the injury kind of cleared up, I went back to playing and I, I kind of caught the referee bug at the time. So it was just a case of back then you couldn't referee and play. Uh, you had to choose right. one or the other. So I kind of said, well, you know, um, uh, I just decided, you know, uh, let's let's try refereeing because, look, as I said, I, I'd reached my peak in terms of my, my playing ability. 
Um, so I was never going any further than that. So, you know, I, I enjoy the refereeing side of it when, when um, for, the, for the couple of months that I did it. So when I went back and played, I never really felt the same kind of way about it. So I, I thought, you know, okay, if I'm choosing one of the, over the other, uh, I'll, I'll choose refereeing. And um, that, that's, that's ultimately how it came about. And you went to the Munster Senior League. Uh, that's, that's kind of your first big break, really, wasn't it, before you moved into League of Ireland? Yeah, that's that was kind of a natural progression, um, you know, for for any referee back home uh, is you know you referee in your 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 local leagues, um, you know, kind of schoolboy, schoolgirl football, and you move into junior football and intermediate football, and and if 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 you're if you're seen to have what some some potential, then you'll um, you'll you'll move into uh, like now it's a little bit different where you have underage League of Ireland leagues where you can um, kind of showcase yourself a little bit. So um, yeah, and you, and you and you move on to you know School of Excellence as as, as I did at the time, and and then into graduated from that into the League of Ireland. And tell us about the early days of League of Ireland, Alan. Any kind of uh, memorable games or anything that that gave you a bit of a baptism of fire early on? Yeah, it was it was. Um, um, I, I always refer to the. To the old days of League of Ireland football. Look, look, I, I, I went around the country with my dad when he refereed in it. So, um, you know, some of the stadiums now weren't like, you know, like Turner's Cross now in Cork is not the Turner's Cross. I, I remember growing up, you know, um, and, uh, you know, thankfully the, the facilities in the League of Ireland football have improved. But in terms of the what was uh, on show on the field, I remember some some games way back then uh, that would um, that would put anyone off going to referee those games. There was, some, <laughs> there was some real characters around the league, like, uh, you know, Dermot Keeley was was one. Um, yeah. Tom McNulty was another. Um, you know, a, a couple of guys like that. Dermot Brown, uh, um, I think they played with with, uh, with Bose. There, there, was a, there was a whole host of, of, of players at the time that were that were um, notorious for, you know, that liked the challenge, put it that way kind of thing. So, um <laughs> So I was kind of I, I I was kind of used to seeing that, um, and, and when I when I graduated into the league, you, you still had some you know real characters that played the game. Um, um, my first game was it was a was it was as a, a linesman or an assistant referee now um, um, at really short notice. I think one of the assistant referees got injured. Um, I wasn't really on the League of Ireland panel. I was I was kind of on the fringes of it, and. Um, um, at short notice, I was asked to go to Buckley Park in Kilkenny um, to uh, to be an assistant referee for Kilkenny in St. Pat's. And um, uh, I remember Pat Dolan was the manager of Pat's at the time. And, uh, you know, all he saw... Yeah, that was, was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All he saw, all he saw was, was a young fella that was coming in. So, you know, um, I think try to put the pressure on. So, that, like, that was a, an early... Uh, that was the earliest baptism of fire. And you, you had some really good players at the time with Pat. Paul Ozan was one. So, um you know, experienced guys that I'd seen uh, as a as a fan of the league. I've been a fan of the league for, for forever. So, so that was that was it. Like my very first game as a referee was in um, was in uh, Rathban in Limerick, uh, Limerick and Athlone Town. And the very first guy that I that I, uh, that I, I, I yellow carded in the League of Ireland game as a referee um, was called Alan Kelly, and I never knew it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I, th- I like I thought he was taking the piss a little bit um, um, when when I said name, you know, and he said Alan Kelly, and I went, "No, your name." And he said Alan Kelly, and I went, "Oh, right, okay." And we kind of joked about it, and uh, yeah, that was um, 
that was that. And uh, I, I think I, I think one of the one of the games that really stood out for me was uh, in terms of a baptism of fire. It was my first Dublin derby. It was it was shells and St. Pat's in a cup game. Um, Pat Fenlon wasn't long. He was he was still player coach of uh, of um, uh, of shells at the time. And uh, it was it was a uh, it was a uh, it was a uh, a real FAI cup tie. Um, I remember Pat coming on just after the equalizing, Stewie Byrne equalized. And as he equalized, uh, it was a collision with the goalkeepers and he lifted the ball, two of them slid in and um, Stewie scored, but got, got injured, taken off in the, in the same time. So Pat came on and immediately ran straight up and just gave me the, a tirade of abuse. And I'm thinking, I could send him off now, but he's literally just on the pitch kind of thing. And uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of turn a deaf ear to this type of thing. And and Pat sent it off, went up the other end, got a free kick about five yards, ten yards outside the box, and uh, got a deflected goal from Paul Ozan. Um, oh, well. not, long be- not long before the end of the game, and I went back to the halfway line. And as as I turned around, Pat was there again. Pat Fenton was there again, and and this time everything he said could be heard all the way from Dublin to Cork. So I couldn't ignore it. So I sent him off. Like he was only on the pitch two minutes. Um, and, uh, and it was, uh, it was one of those, you know, things, you know, full-time whistle went, there's bodies everywhere kind of thing. You know, um, it wasn't really kind of pretty. I remember Ali Byrne, um, God rest him, uh, was, was in the stands. And as, as were my mother and father, my, I think it was the first time that my mother was ever at a game. And, uh, was it the last as well? Um, it was on. Yeah, she was at two games that time. The her first one and her last. So, um, so yeah, I think Ali was was escorted out by the police at uh, at the same on the same night. So, but uh, yeah, and even like you know, look when 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 the emotions and and the passions had died down, kind of thing. You know, I remember Pat coming to the dressing room and saying, "Can I come and talk to you?" And I was like, "You know what? No, right? I think it's probably best that we do talk." But go away for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, have a shower. I need to have a shower, relax ourselves. And then, and then come back in. We'll have a, we'll have a chat. And, uh, and, um, and we did, and, and look, it was kind of a meeting in the minds type of thing, but you know, he, he said his piece, I said my piece and, and, and that was the way, that was the way it went. I think, I think from then on, there was, there was a, a mutual respect for, for each other and the difficulties and the jobs that we had to do him playing and managing ultimately managing very successfully and 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 me refereeing you know so um but it was like you know there was some there was some you know there was some really ding dong games kind of um way back then and some some crunching tackles the game was a little bit different back then in terms of the you know the the challenges that were allowed things that were allowed as opposed to now that aren't allowed kind of thing and um, yeah. um i always remember a, a, a tackle um and I referred to this recently. Desi Byrne, who used to play with um, yeah, yeah, Desi with, with uh, Pat, I think, and I think he was a uh, shells Pat, as well. Pat and Bowes, yeah. I think, uh, at one time. But he was in England for 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 many years. But <laughs> there was a there was a game in Dublin, right in front of the uh, right in front of the uh, the, the dugouts, and uh, he and Owen Heary were going for a ball, and and you know Desi thought the ball was up around Owen's waist, <laughs> where it was where it was right on the floor. <laughs> Um, and he didn't even he didn't even wait for the red card. He was he was halfway to the dressing room by the time I got it out, kind of thing. You know, he just knew it. So, uh, um, and we I joked about that recently with the with Desi on social media type of thing. But um, yeah, look, fun times for sure. And it seems like he had a lot of respect from the players. Like you spoke about Fenlon there, but 2006 he got the the first ever PFAI Referee of the Year award. And was was that voted for by 
other referees or was it voted for by the players? Because you seem to have a huge amount of respect in the league from, from the players. Um, it, it's voted for by the players. Um, yeah, look, the, the, the PFAI awards uh, have been going on for years and, you know, it was typically player of the year and, and young player of the year and, you know, like kind of merit awards type of thing. And they introduced a referee of the year award, um, I think, you know, sometime in around 2005, six, seven, that kind of way. And, and look, I, I've said this lots of times in the, in the, in the past, um, no referee goes out to win like those type of awards, you know, but it, it's nice to get the recognition uh, when it happens. Um, so yeah, it's voted for, it's voted for by the by the players um, based on I suppose how they judge you your, your performances during a season. So yeah, it was nice to win that uh, a few times, but um, um, you know again it's it's kind of one of those things. It's like, it's like a product of your work. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know. So but it's 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 nice recognition, and um, um, I, I certainly appreciate it when 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 I got those. Certainly still, still nice to get. And I mean, 2006, another big milestone for you. So your first ever World Cup match um, in Tallinn. Yeah. For Estonia against Estonia against Luxembourg, I believe, was it? Yeah, you're pulling things uh, out of uh, out of the archives now. Um, it, it was. <laughs> it, it, was uh, it was um, it was Estonia, Luxembourg. Um, and we had a red card in that after about 15 minutes, you know. Um, again, was, you know, you was, kind of prepared. Was, your... was, was it Pat Fenlon, was it? It wasn't Pat Fenland, no. Yeah. Estonian grandmother, probably. It wasn't Pat Fenland, but apparently in Tallinn, they could still hear Pat from Dublin screaming and shouting at whoever was playing that day. But uh, um, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was. It was a, it was a kind of a milestone moment, you know, to, to referee a World Cup qualifier. And um, yeah, there was, um, there was myself, I think Ian Stokes' fourth official. Um, uh, Martin Maloney was my, one of my assistants. I can't remember, um, you've caught me on the hot note, who the other assistant was. On the day, maybe Eddie Foley, um, but yeah, it was it was one of those ones where, um, you know, balls in the middle of the field, you know, guy gets away from a guy, and the, the guy who who was chasing didn't really want to chase him and just drew a kick uh, across the back of his leg. So he um, and I'm thinking, uh, that's not a challenge for a ball. That's geez, that's red. You know, um, I'm going to produce a red card and. And it's it's one of those ones. It was on. It was an unusual one, and you kind of think for a minute or two, have I done the right thing here? You know. Um, and we talked about it at halftime, and you're kind of going, I hope the assessor thinks it's the right decision, and thankfully he did. Um, and um, I think it was, you know, uh, I can't remember the score. Maybe three zero, four zero at the time. Um, but it was. It was a. You know. It was. Um, it was. It was a really good experience. Really enjoyed it. Um, and you know, kind of. You know, once once it's done, you're kind of hoping then that that you know your your assessment and and your debrief is good and positive to the point where you get another one. You know, so and um, you know, thankfully I did. Yeah, and the other kind of international games and knows is it, I think you did. Um, did you do France and Croatia in the south of France? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, uh, I, that was I think it was a friendly game. Yeah, we've been really lucky to do you know lots of. Uh, kind of big club games um, and and big international games and 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 some really big international friendly games um, that sometimes weren't so friendly. But yeah, the France the, the France Croatia one um, um, always will hold a special place um, because my grandmother passed away the same day. I'll always remember it for that reason. And um, it was um, uh, it was it was in the Stade of France, beautiful stadium, um, beautiful place beautiful city you could relax a little bit um kind of thing and it was um 
uh, it was full, but it was it was one of France's first games after the previous World Cup where the players pretty much revolted against the against the coach. I think it was Dominic at the time. Yeah. Um, so some of the players that were in the squad that evening were were met with a very hostile reception. Um, when they, uh, you know, when they were coming back on the field, I think Frank Ribery was coming on, and the play, it was just to a chorus of boos. And I remember standing next to um, Luka Modric at the time, uh, and he, he, we, we were kind of, we were looking around and listening to, to what was just whatever it was, seventy thousand fans, French fans booing one of the French players coming on, and uh, um, we were just kind of totally taken aback by it, you know. But um, um, that's that's kind of what I remember the game for because it, it ended up zero zero. So, uh, um, but yeah, that, that was one. And I think I think the one that all, will always stand out um, is the um, Spain Argentina um, Spain Argentina game in um, in in Madrid, uh, where where you know Maradona was the coach of of Argentina, um, and there was just a host of you know incredible players um, known throughout the world. Um, it was just before Spain won that World Cup um, the, uh, in what 2010. Uh, uh, yeah, 10, yeah. So, but yeah, it was it was an incredible experience, you know. Um, and you're you're just you're just focused on on you know the 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 game uh, and and one decision to another, and you're not interested in who's playing and all that kind of thing. And uh, it was it was a uh, that was that was another incredible experience, um, you know, remembered for lots of different reasons. Um, uh, I know the old saying, you should never meet your heroes type of thing. And I grew up kind of idolizing Maradona in the mid 80s. Um, <laughs> you know, that experience of, of meeting him to a degree kind of soured, soured things just a little bit because he was <laughs> he was just kind of he was crazy. He was just a, he was just a loser. He was he was threatening not to bring Argentina out for the second half when we uh, when we knocked at their dressing room door. And I'm like, OK, okay. If you want to create the international incident, that's fine. I'll go back to the dressing room and, and you know, let me know when you're ready kind of thing. So um, there was that. There was, I remember Martin Di Michaelis, you know, screaming at me in Spanish and me and me retorting back in, in my my broken Gaelic, um, to, which, <laughs> to which he was just bemused by. Um, um, and the less said about what I was saying to him, probably the better, but it was, uh, but it was good. It was good fun kind of thing. And again, look, it, it's easy now to look back at it and, uh, and, and, uh, and laugh at some of the stuff, you know? Yeah. What about the champions league matches, uh, Alan? Cause you did a few of them as well. Yeah. Look, the, the, um, I, I think, I think when, when, when I look back at, at my career, it, you know, there'll, there'll be some really standout thing uh, games that I'll remember, you know, um, my very first game as a as a as a kid in, in, in an under eleven game, you know, uh, my very first League of Ireland game, as I mentioned, um, you know, the FA Cup finals that that I did, and Champions League ones will will forever stay with me, just simply because it, it meant so much to to me as an as 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 an individual, but to us as a as, as a as a group and panel of referees at home, where we'd never had we'd never had a. a a referee in the Champions League. Um, we, we had Eddie Foley as an assistant referee in, in the Champions League and at World Cups, but in terms of a referee and a referee team, we'd never had we'd never had that um, in, in in Ireland in the Champions League format. Um, and it was it was incredibly difficult, you know, when when European when football changed, European football changed, and the refereeing structures changed within Europe. It was very difficult for us to, as Irish officials, you know 
not only me and 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 my era of referees, but you know those who went before to a degree to kind of to to make their way through the um through the 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 the, the referee rankings. But we were lucky enough to do it, and um um you know I remember I remember getting the call uh, for the first Champions League game. Um, it was um um uh who was it oh, uh, i should <laughs> i should remember it but uh um it was fc basel from switzerland and um um you know, the romanian team whose name just escaped me now in romania uh cfr cluj uh napoca um and and basel and uh and um i remember thinking and i remember thinking you know the the breaking in it was so difficult to 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 break in there that this was this was a, a real real um um feeling of of achievement for us i remember contacting the uh, the assistant referees and saying you know hey we have a champions league game it was a very emotional moment and um um you know even you know the build up to the game you know people kind of getting in touch and 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 wishing us well and all that kind of stuff was 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 incredibly appreciated um in, in, in an age, I think even before social media, you know, so, so it was, um, it was, it, you know, I remember pretty much everything about it. it was a, it was a wet, miserable night. We had, um, we had brand new kit, um, Champions League kit. We had to wear white shirts, white jerseys, um, in a, on a, on a wet, rainy night kind of thing. Um, and, uh, I remember lining up, um, I remember lining up for the, for the game and it was, um, you know the champions you know the music the champions league anthem was played and uh you know i i remember at the time thinking you know it's an emotional it, it was really emotional it was kind of like hold it together kind of thing you know and um i remember when we, we went in at halftime um game was going fine and we all said the same thing i think all of all all of us were on the verge of tears um because it was a really special moment for us and uh so that yeah that was that refereeing in madrid um in the bernabeu in the champions league game again another yeah. incredible experience um you know that the, you mentioned Balak earlier on that was a game in the uh, champions league game in in um what was it in leverkusen um when he when he played there and uh and and uh, bayern munich um in, in the Allianz arena which um which was my last um um uh, game as a as a as a FIFA referee in the Champions League before I, I left for uh, for the US in in um, in October November 2013 again the incredible experience for us um, as a as a as a team of officials and um, and 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 the good thing about it is that you know we went out there we did our job we didn't let anyone down and we didn't look out of place coming even coming from a perceived smaller smaller league like the league of ireland we um we really held our own in terms of the job that we did out there and we were incredibly proud of that for sure and how did the the move to the u.s come about alan because well i was in your last game in ireland in cork in in your hometown it was yeah the the, yeah. the last game was in uh it was very um, fitting uh, say that again sorry very very fitting yeah it was it was it was cork and pats and um um it was something that we're not used to, you know, like as, as somebody who's from Cork, there was a tendency not to referee Cork games, which I was completely fine with. Um, not because of the support or anything like that. It was just, you know, the optics of it and so on. So, uh, so yeah. And, and it was good because, you know, my family and my kids were able to go there and, you know, it was nice from that point of view. Um, um, but um, yeah, the, the opportunity to, ke- to, to come to, to the U S it came about. And like, I remember when it came about, I, I kind of, I passed it over pretty quick and then it came around again and I, I thought about it a little bit. We didn't, I didn't need to move or anything like that. It was just, 
you know, I had my own job. My wife had 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 her own job. Things were going well from a from a, a refereeing perspective in in Europe with the UEFA and FIFA. Um, so we didn't need to move. But I think the the you know, I'd been watching MLS for a number of years. Um, I knew it was growing. Uh, I, I think just the opportunity to officiate on a, on a different level outside of um, maybe my comfort zone to a degree domestically from a League of Ireland perspective. And that's not to be in any way uh, disrespectful to, to the League of Ireland because, you know, that's a challenge in itself. But it was just a different, a different environment. So that the challenge of that was something that, you know, interested me. Um, I was looking at the bigger picture in terms of the the, the, the league uh, in MLS and, and that growing, um, you know, every year since its, since its inception. So we, th- we thought about it and looked thought and thought and thought and just decided to take the, to take the plunge with it. And uh, it, it kind of came down to that, really. Um, you know, not, not that it was a, a step into the unknown, been to the States lots of times, like the way of life, that kind of way. Um, but yeah, I think it was just, I think the draw of a different challenge, a different experience, a different opportunity was um, was kind of, that was too much to, to, to turn down. Yeah. And any crazy experiences there, Alan, compared to like, was there any kind of Pat, Pat Benlin equivalent over there or any kind of <laughs> madness that kind of happened on the pitch? You were very popular there as well because you you know you were voter referee of the year there 2016, but a, a, any times where maybe think things went a bit bananas? Yeah, like like look, there is a um, the country is so vast, and and the the games were were so spread out in terms of the teams in the league at the, at that particular time, and you know every every um, every game being a flight, um, you know uh, like like I I I'd never experienced a a six hour flight for a domestic game before. Um, so I, I, you can't you can't you can't justify flying from Cork up to up to Derry. Or I, 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 that's all, that's the, that's always the reference point I went to because I remember going from I think um, uh, at the East Coast where I'm living to the West Coast, which is a six-hour flight, and and I think at the time I remember thinking I'll never I'll never complain about driving from Cork to Derry ever again. Uh, so the, so so there was certainly that, and um, you know, like the, the league is very diverse um, and it's very multicultural. Um, so, you know, uh, there was a lot of, there was a lot of adjustment, um, in terms of, from a personal point of view and, and from a professional point of view in terms of that, and, you know, um, needing to prove myself all over again, not only, not only to myself, but to, to my refereeing colleagues who, who I didn't know, uh, and who didn't really know me, um, to the players and the managers and, and the coaches and all that kind of stuff that, that were operating in the league again, who, who I was completely new to. Um, so, so yeah, there was, you know, people deal with pressure in different ways and, and yeah, there was, there was some pressure there to, to, to adjust and to, and to prove myself. But again, look, I, 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 mo- I, I moved for that challenge. I wanted that challenge. So, so it was about kind of meeting it head on. And, and after a, you know, the first couple of months where, where we, took time to find our feet and whatnot it um it, things settled down you know i got to it's not as if the, the league was completely new to me I'd, I'd, I'd watched mls for a bit before that so so i was familiar with um with things so um so yeah so so like the, look it's like any other league there's no easy games there's nothing like that you know um every game poses different challenges type of thing um 
but yeah, it was it was an adjustment, you know, working in that professional environment from a, from a from a refereeing perspective, you know, um, you know, you know, dealing with a day to day sports science department that we didn't I didn't have to deal with before, um, um, all of those kind of things, and and again, just you know, new environment, new players, new league, um, but ultimately the same game, eleven v eleven, you know, and uh, and and just going out there on the field, working hard um and doing what we do to to try and come up and make the the best decisions um the best and correct decisions for for for, for each and every game so so where there was a period of adjustment it was also a period of, of enjoyment in terms of you know all of the finding finding all of the 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 new things to do new places to go and and the new stadiums to see players to referee coaches to meet kind of thing you know um yeah so um yeah plenty of pat Fenland. <laughs> it must have been interesting as well. There's surely a Dublin accent there with Robbie Keane. I'm not sure if you if you refereed him at all or David Beckham <laughs> with LA Galaxy. Um, you no, might have, you um, might have gone a bit you might have gone a bit of PTSD thinking it was Pat Fenlon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pat's getting a very bad rep on this now. I have to say, and uh, you know, I should, so, up, I, should, so. I, should, I should probably start showing other coaches' names into for the next time I meet Pat. He kind of wants to pin me against the wall type of thing, but um. Um, no, I, I, I'd never refereed the um, Beckham was gone by the time I, I, I got here, but Robbie Keane was still here. And um, uh, yeah, it, it was, again, just one of the, 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 the things that, that stand out when first I encountered Robbie Keane here was um, we had to, Robbie was captain of LA Galaxy and um, it was my first time refereeing them. And at the time, what the captains had to do was they had to come into the referee's lock, I was going to say locker room, uh, dressing room. Um, I go back to yeah. You send um, a you, you send a very indoctrinated there, Alan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> they have it. They have you now. <laughs> for, for the purpose of this conversation, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to say football and not soccer. But uh, um, but yeah, um, um. So yeah, the captains had to come into the to the dressing room to to meet the referee and listen to the referee spiel and and like where where I applauded the initiative to to kind of break the ice and and use that ability to communicate, which I'm a big believer in in communication. So um so yeah the, the captains had to come in and they had no interest captains just didn't have any interest didn't want to be there um kind of thing and, and Robbie was kind of he was he was there because he had to be there um and the match commissioner was kind of given a little bit of a spiel and then I started to talk and um and no sooner did I talk then his attention peaked straight away it's like you know where the f am I who the f are you and why you be, why the f have you got a cork accent so uh, so yeah that was it and uh, you know out during the warm up we had a we had a little bit of a, a little bit of a chat um in terms of you know um, same kind of chat as this how'd you get here how are you getting on how's life that kind of thing so his was so much different to mine you know um, where, where he's smack bang in the middle of um, of la and um you know uh, living the high life kind of thing where uh where i'm just the the average joe kind of thing you know so uh but it was it, it was fun i remember one of the other games that we had you know um to say that we to, to say that we communicated at times with some choice irish language with each other would be um a little bit of an understatement <laughs> and uh he he said something you know and i and i responded back and i remember my refereeing crew at the time just completely blown away by the fact that that we communicated with each other that way, you know. Um, and uh, <laughs> I had to explain to them that that this is this might be new to you guys, but it's everyday <laughs> speak to us, you know. Um, but it was good. I I I, I enjoyed the the, uh, the little bit of banter with um, with Robbie Keane uh, in, in the in the the, the, the 
the few times that, that I refereed them, you know. Yeah, and you did a couple of um, MLS Cup finals as well, didn't you, Alan? Uh, I did, yes, two, um, two, two MLS Cup finals. Um, uh, remember, for different reasons, one, uh, the first one was in Toronto uh, in um, 20, 2016. Um, and it was, um, it was Toronto in the first week of December. And as you can imagine, from a, from a temperature point of view, it wasn't very pleasant. Um, um, it, was, it was minus, minus what, 12 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, which is Jeez. crazy, crazy cold. Um, I remember my, um, um, we had just, my, my, we had had our, our third child uh, a couple of weeks earlier. So, um, so my wife couldn't come up. She stayed, she stayed at home uh, with Quinn, but my dad came over and he, he uh, and, and along with my, my uh, two other kids came to the game and, um, um, you, you know, they, they had layered up for whatever they had layered up for that, that, that crazy cold, you know, um, they had the heat, the hand warmers in, they had the foot warmers in the body warmers in layers and layers of clothing. Um, but it was freezing, freezing temperatures and the game, unfortunately didn't live up to the billing in terms of you know the 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 on-field product um it ended up being nil-nil after after extra time um and and won by seattle uh, against toronto on, on on penalties but uh, i i remember looking to you know just before penalty kicks just to where my, my dad and my, my kids were seated um just to see if i could make eye contact and I, you know, uh, I was thinking, ah, oh, I can't really see them. There's probably just too many people there, but they were gone. They had left the seats about at the end of, I think at the end of the first period of extra time, just, they just couldn't handle the cold anymore, you know? So, um, so that was the first one, really good experience. Um, um, worked with a, with a great crew um, uh, of officials on the game. Um, and um, yeah, like, look, it'll be remembered for, for, for Seattle winning it. And then the second one was in, uh, was in Atlanta, um, Atlanta United, the Portland Timbers, back in 2018 in the um, Mercedes-Benz Arena. Incredible. Uh, big, huge, big, huge stadium, isn't it? Huge, Very big stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. huge. And uh, it was, it was an incredible, um, incredible atmosphere there. It was, um, I think, just over 74,000 in the stadium, which was a, a record for an MLS Cup. Um, which, in fact, I think the Super Bowl was there not long afterwards. Um, uh, our game was December 20, 2018. And the Super Bowl was in, in February 2019, and uh, I think the Super Bowl attendance was 90, uh, sorry, 73,000. So, so MLS Cup had um, had uh, exceeded it in terms of in terms of the capacity. Um, but yeah, it was uh, again um, um, good game, decent game. Um, Atlanta won uh, uh, won the game on the on the day, um, and uh, again, good, that, great that that family could be there and sharing the experience, but. Again, you know, as a referee, you're just focused on on the game and, and and all that kind of goes with it, making sure that 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 you officiate it as best you can. That that the discussion isn't about the, the match officials after the game. That it's about the on-field product. And um, and thankfully, it was. You know, so um, yeah. So really enjoyed um, really enjoyed both of those uh, two cup finals to MLS cup finals to go along with the the two FAI cup finals that I that I that I'd refereed before I'd, I'd, I'd left, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, standout games for me. Some unbelievable experiences, and I think as where I mentioned, Alan, and we have to congratulate you. You retired last year. Now you're only a young man, but <laughs> referees have to go early, don't they? No, not necessarily. Um, you know, like I, I grew up uh, with my dad being an international referee, and um, you know, seeing referees retire at a certain age, it was 
it was 47 at one time, then it was 45 as an international official. But over the course of time, and as 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 the game evolved, and as officiating evolved, as the sports science aspect of it, 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 it evolved, um, um, there is no there is no uh, age limit anymore as long as as long as your performances are up to scratch and your fitness standards are up to scratch in terms of testing and whatnot, um, then you know you can you can go for as long as you want to go um, to a degree. And uh, um, so yeah, like I, I probably should have retired ages ago because when I retired, everybody <laughs> said loads of nice things about me. So, <laughs> um, but no, it was um, it was it was one of those things that I'd been thinking about for a little bit. And um, uh, look. I, Every referee at some point gets to his or her. It gets to a point in his or her career where they kind of go, you know, when will I finish? And um, I, I started thinking about it a little bit, maybe maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and you know, kind of going into the last couple of seasons, wondering if this was going to be the last season, if this was going to be the last season, and and look, it it, it would pop into my head and then pop out just as quick, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, I remember thinking at the beginning of the 2021 season that, you know, this could be my last season again. But, um, you know, once the season kicked off and you're into it, and you're enjoying it. Now, I, I, I really enjoyed the season last year in terms of games and, you know, um, uh, thought I did, you know, pretty well throughout the season. A few blips here and there, you know, um, but um, yeah, I was enjoying it. And, and but again, it just got to a point where I started thinking about it. And, um, you know, one thing kind of led to another. And. Uh, and, and yeah, as the season progressed, uh, you know, I was thinking about it more and more um, to the point where, where ultimately I'd made the decision to um, to finish up. And and like, you know, uh, I could have gone on for another year or two, but I think it's just I think timing is a, is, is a really uh, important um, aspect of what we do, knowing when the right time is to go. And um, I thought about it for a bit. And, and you know, look, ultimately, what you want to do is you, you still want to be enjoying it. You still want to be loving it. Um, and to do what you do so that you can do justice to the game, justice to the players and coaches that put so much into it, justice to the fans in the stadium and justice to yourself and your team in terms of how you perform out there and how, how the perception of you out there um, in terms of your performance um, is, is seen. So I, I think it, it, it just, it felt right. It felt right that it was just, this is the right time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying my refereeing. It's a good, strong season type of thing. And uh, I, I, I I kept coming back to it being kind of the right time to, to go, you know? So, so yeah, we talked about it as a, as a, as a family, we talked about it and uh, yeah, in a, in a, in a game where, where our, where, where our decision-making is, is, um, is the ultimate thing. This was ultimately the ultimate decision. If that's, if that kind of makes sense. So um, yeah, it was, a, it was a difficult one. It was a difficult one for sure, but look, one that I'm, that I'm, um, that I'm happy that, 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 that I've taken um, and happy that I've taken it at the right time. Yeah. And uh, Martin, I don't know if you want to come in on this, but I, I know just a couple of years ago, Alan, you were, you were part of the, the VAR team for the, the 2019 under twenties world cup in, in Poland. And Martin, I know you, you were kind of um, chatting beforehand about, you know, the, how fascinated you, 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 you'd find it to kind of hear Alan's take on, I say, modern day referee and maybe the abuse that a lot of officials get and the whole idea of VAR at the moment because it's becoming a very, very topical issue at the moment in the Premier League and, and further afield, you know? Yeah, I think like my view on this is obviously I, I do a bit of coaching like yourself, Nick, at grassroots. So I see the challenges that referees, you know, trying to get referees involved in the game. That's one of my questions anyway, you know, trying to get young people 
with an interest, you know, because I think a lot of young people just want to play. And I think it's you, you need a big discipline to obviously have the confidence to take charge of a game, which we all need a referee to play. And obviously then the bar thing, yeah, I mean, it's well documented. I just, what, what challenges did you face with bar then? Like, were you, did you feel under more pressure when that came in? Um, yeah, I, I think that that's a really good question. And I think if you have so much in, 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 in your build up there to, to discuss, um, if, you, if you go back to the beginning of, of VAR, I remember we, when we started discussing it um, back in 2015, uh, about the possibility of um, um, of VAR, um, uh, you know, it was it was it was kind of blank page stuff, um, uh, and 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 it, it, it evolving from there to what it was when we went live with it um, in MLS in 2017, and there was so much um, so much training that went on behind the scenes so much you know var simulator stuff to get us used to protocols and 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 so on and so forth and look this was a huge departure for football um in in, in look there's been law changes um and and the game has evolved over 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 a period of time from 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 way back when to what it is now and uh, so this was probably the one of the this is the biggest introduction to the game in in probably forever kind of way you know so um so there was so much training and coaching and and so on went went down behind the scenes that we in terms of us and being ready to go live with it um there was a little bit of fear and apprehension i know from my point of view uh, you know the technology in the game was was long discussed at that point and um i i, I was always uh, I, I call myself a traditionalist, but at the same time, I, I'm not close. I, I'm very open-minded when it comes to uh, when it comes to additions to the game. And I always said that if 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 it could benefit the game without breaking up the flow of the game, you know, considering the laws of the game and all the tweaks to the laws of the game have have all come in to to speed the game up, then sure, I'm I'm open to. To technology and so on. So, so where I was open to, to VAR, um, I was a little bit skeptical at the start, but certainly less so by the time we we went live in 2017. I've said this before that, from my point of view and and, and the coaching that we got, um, we were we were told don't approach the game any differently. Go out and referee the game like there is no VAR there. Um, like VAR is there to correct. Um, um, real clear and obvious errors on the field of play you know and um um and that's what we've uh that's the that's the bar we've we've set in terms of mls you know and i know from 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 the from the point of view here in the sporting landscape here in terms of american football and basketball and and hockey and and baseball there is a there is a um a technology aspect to it so the sporting public here would would you know, they, they accepted it more um, than maybe they, they've done at home because it's new and, you know, um, look, football is about opinions, right? Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's a fan of a club, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Look, I've said this recently that from a statistical point of view, VAR has corrected um, um, more of the key match incidents, you know, the, the, the goals, the penalties, the, the red cards than, than, than the game had without VAR. Um, certainly there are incidents that have 
been seen and have been officiated on that have created lots of discussion for sure. Um, but if people, and again, I'm repeating myself in something I said recently, if people thought that VAR was the silver bullet to all of football's problems and issues, then they had to lower their expectations there. You know, um, VAR has certainly got more right than wrong, um, but certainly at times have still got it wrong. But there's a human error aspect still attached to, to the VAR process, you know? So um, it gave me the opportunity to, you know, I, I stopped being a, a FIFA referee in 2013 before I came to the US. Um, you, know, you mentioned the, the, the under 20 World Cup. It, it, it gave me the opportunity to officiate at an international level um, uh, again, um, which was a, an opportunity I thought that I had, that had, I had finished with um, to the point where, yeah, I went to the um, under 20 World Cup um in um, in 2019 in poland and um you know ended up being the var on the final along with um my colleagues from the from the us which you know was an incredible experience it blew my mind to 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 hear my name or hear our names being called out in, in a room to to say you're officiating a world cup final um you know people will say it's another 20 world cup final but but to me it's a world cup final you know yeah. um so um um, you know, and, and, and that tournament was, was a, an incredible experience to see VAR, the, the VAR workings and see other officials from different countries and different, um, and, and different confederations and, and how, they, how they conducted VAR and, and, and to see, you know, the, the absolute similarities um, between different confederations and different officials in, in terms of how they saw it and how they interpreted it and how they used the VAR protocol. And I think it's still a work in progress. You know, um, there's, there's always behind the scenes, you know, um, education and training and so on that goes on to, uh, I suppose, um, try to try and perfect it as much as, as, as is possible. Um, you know, where, as I said, where I would have been skeptical at the start, I'm a, I'm a believer in the VAR process once it's used properly and once it's not used to re-referee the game, um, which ultimately it wasn't there to do, you know? So, um, so that's probably long -winded, a long-winded long, long -winded way of, of answering the question, but um, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's here for, um, it's, it's, it's here and uh, um, um, some people will embrace it and some people won't. But again, if you, that's, that's the beauty of the game, you know, yeah. it's uh, um, everybody will have an opinion on it. Do you think the game is kind of universal in that, you know, I think the challenge FIFA would have then is, you know, like you've got different, like even the African Nations Cup is on at the moment. And, you know, you might have some teams, their football style might be very, very physical and stuff. So is that a challenge for FIFA when they kind of have a World Cup and you might have referees from different associations? And the other thing I was going to say to you, I know you said earlier about the your communication skills, obviously we've seen them in evidence here, but, you know, how do you, how do you, manage that in a game with different nationalities and different like first languages and stuff. Do you, do you pull out the English speaking players and get them to kind of help you do it? Um, if you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I think to, to, to answer the first part of, of, of your question, um, you know, from having, having been at, at FIFA tournaments in terms of that under 20 world cup and the club world cup um, and, and, and uh, the challenge that, that, you know, pulling officials from, from all over the world, um, you know, like there are seminars that go on throughout the throughout the year. Um, I know when, when it comes to tournaments, there's there's, there's pre-tournaments, uh, there's pre-tournament education that goes on in terms of, you know, forming a consistent thought process in terms of the laws of the game and so on. Looking for that where where there might be slight 
um, inconsistencies from, from one part of the world to another in terms of the confederations, when, when all of those confederations and the officials from those confederations are pulled together in, in a FIFA tournament, um, you know, there's a, the whole goal is, is, is a consistent approach, consistent approach. And having seen that and having been involved in that, um, um, I know us as officials benefited from that. Um, the second part was, um, what was the second part? Uh, to, to communication. Communication. Uh, language. Yeah, the in, languages. Terms of, in terms of languages. Um, yeah, look, uh, when, I was in, when I was in school back home, I did, um, I did French, I did German, um, uh, English and Irish, you know. So, um, uh, so every now and again, uh, I'm not fluent in French, I'm not fluent in German. I'm not fluent in English um, <laughs> um, or, or Gaelic, but uh, I have enough to get by. And um, um, yeah, every now and again, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, it's amazing what you what you can get from players in the tunnel area. You know, I remember being in the tunnel area um, in, in a tournament way back when and uh, one team was speaking French and, and I understood what the captain uh, said in the tunnel to his players, you know, as, as we were ready to go out was, number seven and number 10, number seven and number 10, they're the focus. Don't let them play. Don't let them play. Don't let them play. And I turned around in, in did a little bit of French that I had to use some French words to him. And then obviously I couldn't tell him what I wanted to tell him in French. So I knew he spoke English and I, I ultimately turned around and I, I think I wished him good luck in French and then turned around and said, yeah, and I don't mind if you don't let seven and ten play, just as long as you do it. Le uh, don't do it illegally, you know. And he's kind of like going, "Oh, you know, oh shit, the referee knows knows French." So, <laughs> so it gets the players thinking a little bit, and, and you know, again, um, yeah, um, I think I think uh, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the 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 Balak thing a while ago, and um, uh, where, where Michael Balak speaks perfect English. Um, I, I I threw my very very basic German into into some of the conversations that. Um, that we had again just to plant a seed type of thing there you know um so yeah every now and again you'll you'll throw out some some words and phrases in different lang in different languages to, to to let the players know that hey you know maybe maybe i'm not fluent but i can certainly um understand and and, and they appreciate that um you know um uh, here in the u.s lots of players speak spanish again i'm not fluent in spanish but i have some words in spanish um so any player that I knew just just didn't have English, um, I, I did my best to communicate with them in in my limited Spanish, and um, players responded positively uh, to that. Um, now you know when 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 um, when players weren't responding positively, and you know uh, I couldn't say what I wanted to say in English, I'd, I'd throw some Irish, uh, some Gaelic in there, and um, and that just. <laughs> always caught players unawares, you know, and they had absolutely no idea what I was saying, uh, which ultimately worked. And if you do that with a skull on your face, you, 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 you start throwing out sentences in, in Gaelic with a, with a frown and an angry face. Um, you tend to get a, uh, eventually a positive response, a very, a very awkward and weird, some weird looks to it. But, uh, yeah, ultimately players kind of went, okay, no idea what you're saying, but you look angry about it. So, um, so uh, we'll go, we'll, we'll go, with, we'll go with it, you know? Over the years then as well, when you're like Champions League games and stuff, how, how does your day work, like in the build up to the game, like with UEFA or FIFA, like even the, the international games, like, are you kind of kept away from any kind of fan in, interaction, obviously, and things like that, you kind of shepherd away into the hotels and is, is there such a thing as 
like years ago, I've read lots of football books and stuff like, you know, that um, not not bribes, obviously, but like, did you get do you get gifts from the game like or, or shirts or anything like that? Because I've read a lot of about Kalina and stuff. He used to get a signed shirt from this player or whatever like that, maybe at the end of his career. But is there anything like that you, you were able to get or secure anyway along the no, line? Like- no, look, you know, not even not post-match. even from Like I mean, post match, <laughs> like, obviously post match. Like, um, would there be? Did you kind of do? Do you get like a, a, a welcome from like FC Bay and like or anything like that? Yeah, look, um, um, at the end of every game, like a like a club representative would come in and give you like a like a um, uh, something from the club. You know, yeah. it, it could be a pen, it could be a shirt type of thing. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I think it was more commonplace going back way back um kind of thing but um you know um always after the games like we were told we were told you know you can't accept gifts you can't there's a a moderate token that you can accept Mm. you know and whether that's a whether that's a club short at the end of a game um from a from a from a delegate like like in in terms of in terms of the, the 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 process of the game itself you, you travel the day before the game and you travel home the day after the game but every game has a um, a match delegate you know and, and a referee ass- a referee assessor on the games and uh, so when you go to lunch and breakfast and dinner you you, you tend to do it with with um, with those individuals um <clears throat> and, and and a club representative a club liaison or, or whatever it is um so so Anything that that happens is done in front of those individuals, and they're FIFA, UEFA appointed uh, appointed people. So there's nothing untoward or anything yeah. like that. And that 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 certainly was never was never the case, and is isn't the case. Um, but um, uh, in terms of shorts and stuff, no, you don't you don't you don't go and look for that, or you don't do that, you know. And if if somebody knocks on your 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 dressing room door and and gives you a token from the club or or the the, the association. Then it's it's courteous to accept type of thing, but yeah. you know we didn't go looking for it or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I know my dad refereed further back. I think that was kind of a, it was more of the done oh, thing. Nice, I remember, yeah, yeah I, I do remember like some some you know club like uh, um, you know um, some kind of teams that that my dad had refereed some obscure teams from you know from from um, from Iceland when I was a kid, and I remember thinking. Yeah, you know, I I, have not, I can't remember what the club is now, but I, I do remember that there was a yellow shirt with a big green eagle on the front of it at one point when I was a kid that he had, that he had brought back. And uh, um, but yeah, it, none of that stuff goes on. But in terms of in terms of the 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 the, the environment, uh, in terms of you know fan interaction and stuff like that, not really. You know, like, like typically you don't stay in any of the hotels that the teams stay in. Um, um, sometimes you'll stay in a city-based hotel, um, but we, like you know, officials are, are professional in their approach to things. Um, like we, we'd arrive day before game, we typically have dinner, then you go to bed. You know, you're up in the morning. There's a pre-game meeting. You'll discuss the game with your your own your own colleagues, kind of way. You'd have lunch and you'd sleep before a game, and you know, then you'd have the game, and then you'd have dinner and a debrief and that's it. So it's like, you're not out there on holiday, you're out there to work, you know, and, um, um, you know, and certainly in the, in the, the days of social media and stuff like that, I think everybody is very guarded in, in, in what they do, especially in the environment that we operate in, in terms of professional football, you know? So, yeah. Cause I asked that question. Cause I, I know that like for our, our obviously our this Irish 
podcast. Um, you know, when Ronaldo recently broke the record against Ireland, the, the goal scoring thing, and we had two or three minutes left over the game, and it was all kind of designed, you know, the perception was that the referee had extended the time to, you know, and he was smiling when Ronaldo scored and all that kind of stuff. But obviously that's us, a different perception of it, obviously. But um, with them... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember seeing that and, and, and reading articles with kind of a wry smile. And like, you know, like people talk about referees not having personality and all that kind of stuff. And as soon as, you know, as soon as you smile or as soon as you, you, you do something like that, then it's, it's taken the wrong way type of thing. Like I watched the game. Yeah. You know, the game was the game. Uh, you know, we lost the game. You know, we, we did. Unfortunately, we lost yeah. the game. We, we, we had a game there for the winning um, and we lost it, you know. And uh, and then, you know, the emotion of losing it. And I, I, I know I, I read things and I'm kind of thinking, oh, whoever wrote that's going yeah. to kind of regret it in the morning type of thing, you know. I, I, can, I can completely understand the perception, um, but the reality is different in the perception. I remember seeing a good good clip. I don't know which the Premier League referee a while ago, but he obviously played advantage and then the goal scored and then he kind of raised his fist and goes, yes, like that. And everyone goes, oh, he's celebrating the goal, but he was actually celebrating him playing advantage and he was happy that he'd done that. And then it that was it. Uh, uh, look, absolutely. It, look, there, there's no greater feeling as a referee to, to contribute positively to the game. And, um, uh, you know, I, I know when I, when I referee games... And I've given an advantage, and that advantage leads to a goal, right? There's a there's a real euphoric feel, you know, to, to, for what you've done. It'll never be noticed, and it'll never be commented on by the majority of fans and journalists and, and players and managers, okay? Look, we're there to do a job. That's part of the job that we do. There's an expectation that it happens. But when, it's ha- when it happens, it's often overlooked, right? But from a, from a, from a referee's point of view, you know, I, I, I like I really enjoyed it to the point where I'd I semi celebrated to myself and my my with my referee team where I'd say you know that like there's a real euphoric feel. We can't score goals, mm. right? We can't celebrate the scoring of goals uh, by ourselves, but when we contribute to the game positively like that, um, yeah, you, you should be able to feel good about it you know and it was i think it was mike dean um who did it i remember seeing it yeah, yeah. more than mike more than mike dean uh, it's, it's, lots of referees i've done, it. Done, it, I've done yeah. it just just you know not under the spotlight of a premier league camera you know where it's where it's magnified by by you know and seen by millions and millions but uh yeah it's not it's not a case of celebrating the goal it's celebrating your contribution to it um as as a referee you know like you know not blowing the free kick allowing the advantage so that a goal is scored, players can celebrate, fans can celebrate. That's that's the game that it is, and that's a little contribution to to, to to that. Do you think we'll ever see a day when referees are mic'd up in soccer football? Like because I know they tried it didn't they, years ago. David Ellery did it, didn't he, against Arsenal? And do you remember? Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, and Tony Adams, Tony yeah, Adams. Yeah, um, and then he says, you, know, "You are on mic," and he went, "What?" Okay. <laughs> I don't think it mattered to Tony Adams at the time. No, he called him a cheat, didn't he, or something? You know, cheat. or whatever. But yeah. um, it, look, it's it's been done. It's been done. Actually, it's been done many times. Um, you know, um, not in an official official capacity. I've done it a couple of times. We did a we did a documentary way back in um, 2012, 2013, as a part of a, a four series documentary, different sports in Ireland, where um, where there was a camera crew followed. Uh, 
Alan Roland, a rugby international rugby referee, and um, uh, myself, and I think Barry Kelly was a you know, GA referee, yeah, yeah. and um, David, um, uh, whose name escapes me, is the, the Gaelic football uh, official. And uh, yeah, we, we, we were mic'd up for a couple of games. We had a camera crew with us uh, on a game in Derry, Derry and Drogheda, where we were mic'd up. Um, and we did a game at the Aviva where Liverpool played Celtic in a, in a preseason friendly, uh, which, was, which was full. And uh, they had a camera... Uh, they had they had the mics on for that, um, and it all geared into the um, 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 to the to, to the documentary series, you know. So, um, which I think was received really positively back at the time because uh, because fans got to hear that referee player interaction. And look, where I knew I was mic'd up, there was times, of course, where I watched what I said, but then there was times where it was just very, very, very natural, you know, no different than what it would have been without the mics. Um, and uh, and we did it. We did it here in, in MLS. Um, I'm going to say maybe 2015, 2016. Um, I was mic'd up. You know, one of, one of the big derby games is is um, Portland and Seattle, and I was mic'd up for that. Um, uh, and other referee as well. I, but you know, those those types of things have been have been done in the past, and uh, I, I think it just gives the fans an insight to this. Certainly, the communication side of it. You know, then there's the, there's the preparation side of it in terms of the pregame and. Um, you know, the, that kind of thing. And, and I think that, uh, you know, done in the right circumstance in the right environment, I think that's a, I think that can be a positive move. Again, look, I'm, I'm repeating myself. I'm, I'm, I'm big on communication. Um, I'm big on communication between, between players and officials. Once it's done in the right way, you know, um, I think that can only aid um, what they do, um, what we do on the field of play, you know? So, um, um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure whether it will be a, a regular, regular thing. But I'm, I'm sure you'll have times where you'll be able to listen in, and it might be trial periods and, and, and things like that. But um, you know, the, the way the way uh, the way technology is going in the game, um, it might happen on a more regular basis. I don't know. With um, you mentioned the testimonials you've done. Have you done have you done many testimonials? And did you ever do any of the preseason games in the US, like with Premier League teams? Yeah, we've done a, we've I've done a few here, um, Liverpool and Roma a couple of years back um, um, at um, at Fenway Park in in Boston, um, smallest smallest field ever, uh, <laughs> which every every um, every every touch was a tackle type of thing. It was really really a really tight space. So yeah, I did that game. I did uh, Man United Paris Saint Germain in in, um, in Chicago a couple of years back uh, as well. Um, I think one or two more. That I, I just can't recall at the mm. minute but um um so preseason friendly like some of those you know they're 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 very they're very one pace some of them are a bit more competitive kind of thing um in terms of in terms of testimonials um <laughs> um they give me more trouble than the worth Rods <laughs> <laughs> <Bludge> matches <laughs> yeah I, I i um gavin Pierce, um who who played in the league with uh with sligo primarily um um i remember going back and being back home and refereeing Gavin Pearce's uh, testimonial where they played Portsmouth. Uh, Portsmouth were managed by Paul Cook, who had managed Sligo in the past. Um, so um, so Gavin asked, you know, and I, 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 Gavin was one of those guys I sent off. He was always on the radar as, well, he wasn't even on the radar. He just, he just made it blatantly obvious <laughs> with some of the things that he did. But a guy who, who, who had a, somewhat fraught relationship early in my career um, um, uh, to the point where we, we became very re respectful of each other in, um, 
uh, as as the years went on. And um, uh, so yeah, I refereed Gavin's testimonial, and t- you know, testimonials are supposed to be what they be, but but nobody told Paul Cook that, and he took you know, it was a preseason friendly for his Portsmouth team, and. Uh, um, um, so you know, I had encountered Paul in um, as as a manager in the League of Ireland, and I thought, okay, he's no longer going to be a manager now, and uh, he's no longer in the league now, and we we always had a good rapport and and so on and so forth. But you know, n- nothing changed with Paul from the time he left the league to you know the time I re-encountered him in Sligo when he managed Portsmouth. It was still a raspy voice. It was still questioning every decision. <laughs> it was still getting his players to go at hundred miles an hour you know, and contest every ball, even in the testimonial. So I remember thinking to Gavin, uh, saying to Gavin at the time, uh, you know, I've done two testimonials tonight, right? You know, my first and my last, uh, in terms of, in terms of the, the difficulties that, the, that, the, uh, uh, that they can bring up. Uh, I actually, no, I, I tell a lie, I think I scored in a testimonial. <laughs> I think I scored, yeah, I think I scored in a testimonial. Uh, um, I think was it Neil Horgan, one of the Cork, could it be Derek Hall, one of the Cork City players way back um, a few years ago had a testimonial, and uh, I think I popped up at the back post um, in the last minute for a header. Um, uh, I do remember taking possession of a ball and playing and playing a ball through, only to be scythed down from behind by um, I think it was Conor O'Grady <laughs> uh, uh, during the testimonial. So look, they can be they can be very fun, um, or they can be you know. Um, Paul Cook intense. Remember, once Pat once 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 Fanlin is in there, you're, you're probably <laughs> safe. Uh, it's probably something we should do, actually, you know, kind of, you know, uh, have a um, have a charity game with ex-managers and ex, ex-referees. <laughs> you know, yes. uh, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe, well, maybe get Pat to referee it. You know, we could, yeah, yeah. We, could we could throw that out and see how that works. Breaking news to the Green Machine podcast. We have to start it out now, start the campaign. I remember Dennis Irwin got stretched off in his one against Man City for Man United. Jesus, like it was his own testimonial. So, Um, on on another matter, another Cork man, uh, Roy Keane, how would you have managed refing him? Uh, I I had the pleasure once. um, I, I'm a big Roy Keane fan in terms yeah. of you know the way he well look he's he's from Cork first of all so that, there's that um, that's, but the of, that's the bond that's the bond yeah well look uh, you know he, he's he's an intense guy you know there was that level of intensity there I think he always wanted to 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 bring players um, who played with him he had he had certain standards um that that his expectations needed to be met um and if they weren't he wasn't shy in telling you and um you know i think i think when you have that competitive edge about you um that's a that's a real thing i know i know ireland benefited from it um i I know man united benefited from it um but um so yeah i'm I'm a big fan even now you know when he does the punditry stuff um he can be quite cutting um i think that's Part of the persona, but I think doesn't does does a, a big part of that 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 he genuinely believes when when he says that such a player is this or that or the other. You know, um, a lot of that is for TV uh, as well. But at the same time, I, I genuinely believe what he says is true. Um, I think there's a lighter side to him that I enjoy. I've seen some of the social media stuff that he did with uh, Mike, uh, Michael Richards, um, which I think is 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 uh, is kind of TV cold, really. When it uh, when you look at it. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, like I refereed, you know, after after the Saipan thing, um, one of his first, I think his first game back was for Man United against uh, against Shelburne in Tonka Park. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember in the tunnel that time, you know, um, just before we, we came out, uh, we, um, you know, we were talking about, he, I, he was genuinely, genuinely, kind of uh, genuinely um, um, worried about the reception that he would get. You could kind of, he, he didn't say it, but that's kind of how it looked, you know, and um, I remember it was a real positive one um, uh, in, in terms of that. So, um, um, but yeah, he's, uh, I think he was an incredible player. Um, I think, you know, somebody who, who, appeared to have scratched and fought for everything he got as he was, as he was growing up playing soccer. Um, um, you know, kind of, he worked hard and, and deserved everything he got. So, um, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a big fan of, of, of how he went about his business. Have you ever been able to referee an Ireland game at any level? Like just given obviously the kind of, and also then the other question I linked onto that as well. Do you have to declare like a club affiliation if you support a certain team? Yeah, we we um um yes is the answer to the first part of it. I, I refereed some underage Ireland games. Um, I think the last one I did. Um, I haven't done very many to be fair, but I think the last one I did was um it was an Ireland Germany game in it was on the fifteens maybe in 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 Cork um a number of years ago. John Egan was the um was the was the Irish captain on the night. Um, so. So we've we've done some games. Uh, when the higher up it goes, you tend not yeah, to do can't. that. Um, yeah. I've been unless sure. you're unless you're Dermot Gallagher. Gallagher. Remember he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, it, yeah. Didn't he referee Ireland in a friendly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. I think that was Dermot's last game. To be fair. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think I, I think Dermot's, Well, not, not that I think. I know Dermot's a big Irish fan. So um, yeah. I think that was that was a nice thing for him. Um, but yeah, I, I I know the higher up you go, you don't referee the the. the the country, country that you're from. Um, I, I've been fourth official for Ireland games uh, at the Aviva. I was fourth official for the for the Brazil game um, way back when. Uh, I think it was fourth official for Steve Staunton's first uh, game. Did they, who did they play? Sweden? Sweden? Yeah, Sweden. Yeah, Sweden. Yeah, right now, fourth, yeah. Official, fourth official on that. I think... Um, I think uh, I think the late Liam Miller got... He scored a goal, yeah. He scored an amazing an goal. Absolute yeah. worldly that night, you know? So... Um, um, so yeah, so I've been for the official a couple of times. Um, in terms of the declaration of of, of uh, you know, support and whatnot, I, there, there there came a time during during um, my time as a as a FIFA referee that you had to declare um, whether you were uh, a fan or maybe it was involved as a in a supporters club or something like that. You know, um, that I know a lot of uh, a lot of referees would have. Um, yeah, that they, they would have. Look, <clears throat> we all we all grew up loving the game. You know, part of growing the game, loving the game, and growing up as a, as a as a kid is is that you had a, a team to support. You know, so um, yeah, so yeah, I think we, uh, and I think I think I think in 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 England, um, you certainly have to declare where you're living so that you know, nearest team you can't referee or something. I don't know what the intricacies of it are, but mm. there is a, there is a, a, a requirement to, to do that at least. Just back to on the, the other thing I've, I've got a few questions written down, but it was back to the kind of one of the things you said about the VAR and like development of laws and stuff. Do you think they sometimes change things for the sake of it? You know, like even the, the kickoff with one player, the players going into the box now for the kickoffs. Uh, from the goal kicks, that kind of thing. That like, it's like they seem to be changing for the sake of it. You know, I, I don't. And is that all from like over here in England? We're um, 
is that I think they're kind of muted as the ideas of David Ellery, who's like one of the development kind of referees here. Yeah, I, I well, first of all, I don't think anything has changed just for the sake of it. There's always a purpose to change, you know, and um, it would it, anything that that's changed is discussed at, at IFAB level, you know, in terms of uh, maybe some trends that 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 you know those at that um, at that level see as possible uh, things that can be altered to improve the image of the game, to improve the on-field product, to improve the speed of the game, you know, um, um, like you go all the way back to goalkeepers not being able to pick the ball up from a back pass. That was all geared towards mm. improving the um, the uh, the image of the game and speeding the game up and making it more exciting and, and so on and so forth. So nothing has changed ever just for the sake of it. And, and anything that IFAB think about changing they will trial um, first of all at at underage tournaments, you know, behind closed doors tournaments, just to see how it how it how it looks, as opposed to how it's thought about or how it appears in someone's head, you know. Um, so so seeing 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 it in practice in in those environments leads to you know um, decisions made in terms of changing the laws or modifying the laws to improve the image of the game to improve the the game as a spectacle you know um you know effective match time you know how long the ball is in play during a 90 minutes during a 90 minutes of a game i know there's lots of studies done on that and trying to improve effective match time you know um, um so i think everything is geared towards you know the, the fan experience the game as an image trying to make the game more attractive, more exciting. Look, lots of them, lots of them work. Um, and then some maybe thought about, and then when it happens in reality, you kind of go, maybe not the best idea, you know, and you you revert back um, a little bit, you know. So I think there'll always be modifications to the game. Um, uh, yeah, I, there, there'll always be modifications to the game to, to always try and make the game more more attractive to, to watch and see, you know. You mentioned there about the speed of the game. So you, you obviously get a up close and personal perspective of that and seeing some of the greatest players of the world playing. Like um in that context though, do you do you think like players are always in control? And you know, like you might see a kind of reckless challenge. Do you think half of it, you know, are they so in control that they know when they're taking someone out or or leaving a foot in deliberately? You know, just yeah, look, I I'm not ever um, I don't think I've ever um, tried to get inside the mindset of a player. You know, uh, mm. look, I played the game myself at a, albeit at a uh, at a lower level. Um, um, I was a defender. I liked the challenge. You know, same time I had a cultured left leg. Or I'll say the cultured <laughs> left leg. Um, you know, um, others will say that it was only for standing on. But um, <laughs> um, um, so I, I like to think that you know. Um, I, I'll never try and get into the, the, the head of a player to, to, to say, oh, I think he was thinking this, or I think she was thinking that, or, or anything like that. I'll, I'll never do that. But um, I, I think players have players have come up before and said, you know, look, I knew going into that challenge, it was, you know, kind of kill or be killed. I hate using that expression, mm -hmm. but um, that type of thing. But as a referee, we're just focused on what we see in front of us in terms of, but, you know, we talk about challenges, um, you know, and the considerations that we apply to to challenges, you know, the speed and force and the intensity of the challenge, you know, the point of contact 
You know, was it above or below the ankle? Was it with studs or was it with the outside of the boot? They're all the things that we focus on um, as as officials. Um, you know, um, players talk. We talk about tactical fouling and whatnot. You know, when a player is just going to take one for the team and and break up a counter attack in the middle third of the field of play because you know the attacker is going into 10 12 yards of open space then you kind of know what the player is doing um in terms of things but you look you know yourself when a player commits a crazy type challenge lunges in from 10 yards away with two feet and you know pulls off a, a desi burn type challenge on, <laughs> on here around the waist uh you know um I think the argument that was going for the ball ref kind of goes out the window a little bit. So um, I think those are the challenges, you know, that might be a little bit of you know, malicious intent too. But when, when the ball is there, you, 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 you give players the benefit of the doubt. But, um, you know, as I said, as, as officials, we focus on, on those considerations in terms of coming up with the right decision. When you watch a match now, then are you <laughs> like always watching a game? Like, it's like, I always think of it like as a health and safety assessor watching something happen on a road and they're like looking at it and thinking, where's the fight risk? Where's that? Do you watch it? At, can you kind of step back and watch it as a, in, you know, a fan with, or do you referee it? Or do you look at it as like a referee in a way? I look at it. You, I look at it. It's, I, I, again, it I think it's quite hard. I think it's an occupational hazard. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I watch, I watch lots of football. You know, I, I watch lots of games um, and I watch the referee first and foremost. You know, that's, you know that's that's i think that's what i'm trained to do um um it's it's very rare that i'll watch it as a fan right um when ireland play i'll watch it as a fan you know um uh i did grow up um i won't say as a fan but i i did have a fondness um you know when i i, I kept a specific look out for the results of a, an individual team right mm. um um but it's 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 very very rare that uh, that I would scream and shout and celebrate a goal type of thing. You know, um, I watch games as a referee. That's yeah. That's that's what I watch it as a referee. Um, I watch the referee, um, and um, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I, I thought once I finished refereeing that I'd, I'd maybe relax a little bit more and try and try and watch it more from a fan experience perspective but stepping off the fields and stepping into the role that i have now uh, that doesn't allow me to do that you know it's i'm still watching you know more games than ever but and watching more referees than ever so um that's kind of always what i've done and i think you know to to to, to the end of my being it's probably what i will, will will do in some in some respects you know my kids have very rarely heard me scream and shout um and celebrate a goal um um so um um they make up for it uh, in, uh, in 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 different ways. <laughs> you mentioned like, would, 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 would would you bring your cards around the house then, Alan? You know, if, if the kids <laughs> misbehave or anything. Um, no, that's a it's a little bit. That's I think Nick, that's a little bit extreme. Um, <laughs> you have to know when to switch off, I suppose. Yeah, look, yeah, you have to know when to switch off. So I never bring the card around the house, but the whistle goes off every now and again. <laughs> you mentioned as well, like watching Ireland as a fan. So like. When we qualify, let's be positive. When we qualify for the next tournament, will you be kind of going into Abbottstown to have a chat with the the players under Stephen Kenny's instruction? To you know, you hear about referees being brought in to kind of give the team a little bit of a a chat about these are the, how the referees will implement these rule, laws and sure, things like yeah, that. yeah. That's look, that's done at that's done at FIFA tournaments. Um, 
Um, you know, I, I did that with under, Irish underage teams, you know, way back. I remember Sean McCaffrey brought us in, uh, did an underage tournament in Cork, and we did that. All you're trying to do is point things out a, a little bit, you know. Um, I know there's a bit more of an emphasis. Um, I, I, there is more of an emphasis on, on 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 the FIFA tournament. So the same instructions that the that the referees get um, will will be given to the players. Like we do that um, at, at MLS level. You know, we'll we'll do a preseason discussion with the players. Um, same thing that that's been done with. Um, um uh the officials you know um so uh so that again the whole the whole purpose of this is consistency but uh yeah so if we if we um if we qualify and um uh, like um um if we qualify and 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 Stephen Aston of course you know um, and Stephen uh, by the way yeah I, I I love what he's doing with the uh uh with the team um I think it needed that I think it needed an overhaul and a different philosophy. And, you know, I've dealt with Stephen as a, as a, as a referee and, and manager in the league for many years. Um, you know, I, I really like his philosophy in terms of how, how, how he wants the team to play. And I think, um, and look, there's a, there was a real, uh, there was a real period that we were in the doldrums type of thing. And I think, look, I, I, I that was just, I think that was just where we were, you know, um, as a result of, of whatever, Right, but I think giving the youth a chance, trying a different style, different formation, took a lot. It took a, it took a while to bed in, but I think you know you look at the 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 end of the last campaign. Um, people might they can talk about the opposition all they want, but they talked about the same opposition when Luxembourg beat us. You know, um, um, you know. So I think I think I think there was a positive end to that uh, to that campaign. Hopefully that that comes. Um, that that carries on into the next campaign, and 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 that we do we do qualify, and uh, so if if um, hey look if if uh, if if I get that call, I'd be more than too happy to do it type of thing. Um, but uh, uh, so yeah, and again, looking looking positively at the next campaign. I hope, but um, hope we, I think we all hope it really really works out. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I think we might leave it there for the night, lads. Alan. First of all, congratulations on your retirement, but also thanks so much for for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, well, look, thanks very much for asking. Um, you know, I know, I know, um, um, having had an invitation, what feels like a lifetime ago, mm, uh, it's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, to speak to the supporters group in London, um, um, that was uh, that was really that was a really really enjoyable experience. And um, and you know, uh, again, Martin, thanks for the uh, to the for the invite to just. Be able to chat football, you know, um, with uh, uh, with you guys has been um, uh, has been uh, very enjoyable. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, being here. So um, uh, thanks again. Yeah, we'll have to get you back over to London when you're uh, or, or Dublin, wherever you want to meet. <laughs> Absolutely, anytime. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. My thanks, pleasure. Alan. All the best and congratulations on the retirement, of course. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it.